Welcome to the Wilsdon New Testament Church of God podcast, where the building is closed, but the church is open. Some verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, just three, I want to read for you. Paul asks, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Really what Paul is dealing with is, does he need certificates of endorsement to go to preach to them? But an interesting uh, thing that comes out of here is what I want to lift up this morning. Paul says, well, you, you are the epistle of Christ. And he talks about this being written in people's hearts. And that is the commendation for Paul. But the whole idea that in your life and in my life, the Lord is writing his story. That's really great. That's really wonderful. Your life story has been taken up by God and he has integrated your story and his own divine story and he's put us in a church together where we hear and we share the Christian story. This whole thing about story is really interesting. Let's just say the, the kernel thought again. God is writing his story in your heart and in your life. And because he's still here, because I'm still here, that means the story, our story, is not yet finished. He's still writing this story in us. It's forming chapters of our journey with the Lord. It's including the experiences that were difficult, and it's including the victories that we gained in the difficult times. It's all written into the story of God's story in you. And when we look then at the difficult times, when we face the mountains, when, when we are confronted with difficulties, that's the immediate moment of the story. But that is not the end of the story. And that's what's so wonderful today that we want to lift that up because we're in very difficult times we're in very distressed times the world is in distress the um, coronavirus it hasn't yet gone away and whether or not the streets are getting a little bit more calm the evil of racism malice one to another and defrauding of 
full personhood to other human beings, that hasn't calmed down. That's not going to go away. We're going to have to find how to address those things. But we're all caught up in various aspects of that kind of experience. And so we can take any bad experience that we might be having at this present time in our lives. But the good news is, whatever it is you're facing, that is not the end of the story. Not at all. Because the Lord is still writing in you the next chapter that he wants to be the theme of your heart and life. The next change in you, God wants to record it in you. To help us grasp that a bit more, um, let's go over to Joseph uh, in the Old Testament. In every story, there's, um, there, there, there's a simple rehearsing of what has been happening. What, what took place. But alongside of that, there is the plot to every good story. The plot which talks about how things move around. Different things happen that have a different um, if effect on our story. And there are different people, the characters in the story. And it's important to, to reflect that the people in the story affect the story as well as are affected by the story. And so if this is my story, I need to be thoughtful about the characters and know who are the people involved in my story so that I can discern, are they going to affect my story in a bad way or in a good way toward God? And with every story... There are chapters, aren't there? Chapters are the phases through which we go in our story. They are the phases through which our own story goes. And sometimes it's a mountaintop experience. Sometimes it's like being with John Bunyan's pilgrim, stuck in the, in the, the, the slough and mire of despondency. But Joseph, when we look at him, we can put our story side by side with him because I think there are things that happen to Joseph that happened to us. And he had challenges in his story because it started out with dreams. And there were times in his living out the story and experiencing things in the story that didn't seem to fit with the dreams, didn't seem to accord with the hope that he was given. And he had to keep looking at where he was and looking back to the dreams and saying, the dreams tell me what the real story is. The dreams tell me what the end of the story is going to be like. So what I am stuck in right now is not the end of the story. So let me go forward and possess all that God has waiting for me, waiting for you. Joseph's father had presented him with a coat of many colours, which uh, 
was an eyesore to his brothers because that was a special robe. It was given to signal favour and, unfortunately, favouritism to whoever wore that coat in the house. And it was given to Joseph and his brothers despised him because of that. They felt that they were deprived of the benefit that he was getting. They felt that he was receiving a, a greater um, embrace from his father and they were just being sidelined. And he had these dreams. He dreamt that the stars were bowing down in the heavens to him. He dreamt that the sheaves of his brothers, when they um, gathered them for harvest in the fields, that they saw Joseph's own sheaves. And their sheaves came and bowed down before his. And the thing about the dreams is Joseph was getting excited. He was waking up in the morning and telling his brothers, guess what I dreamed last night? I dreamt about you, I dreamt about me, and this is what was happening. Well, you can well imagine their um, disinterest in, in those kind of dreams that he was having. But uh, one day he was sent by his father, Joseph, by his father to go and take food to his brothers out in the fields. And that coat that he wore, they, they could see it coming from a mile away. And as he was coming, they, they said, oh, look, the dreamer is coming. Now, they meant that in a disparaging way. But you and I, we need to be called the dreamers who are coming. That meant people who had a dream and they were coming. Uh, do you have a dream? Are you a person that when you are entering the church or the community or the family or the workplace, are you seen as a person who comes with a dream for tomorrow, a dream for the future, a dream that speaks about purposefulness and meaningfulness? We don't know yet when we're going to be able to return uh, in, in freedom and openness to gathered services again. But one thing we need to be thinking about taking with us, as well as doing our um, risk assessments, we need to be looking at our vision. We need to be looking at what are we dreaming about? Are we dreaming about just getting back in the building? Are we dreaming just about we'll be in a group instead of on our own? Or are we dreaming about something God wants to do in our story? Where God wants our story to go in his name. And that's what our dream uh, should be at this time. Let's pray and say, Lord, put your dreams for your church and your people in my spirit, in my heart. And Lord, make me a dreamer of the things you want to do. Now, I'm not talking about some of those dreams that many people have. And um, for every dream they dream, they think there has to be some special divine revelation. Sometimes some of those dreams might be just because you ate too late on a full stomach and when you went to bed. 
Lots of the dreams are just the continuing of our daily thoughts during our sleep and get a little bit out of management and control. I'm not talking about your fanciful thinking that you say every time you blink, you heard from God. It, it, it kind of disturbs me that in one sense, it seems that God can only talk to us when we're asleep. God wants to speak to us when we're fully awake and fully listening, where we can say, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. And when we have dreams that have an interpretation that not what man gives, but what God gives. And so we need to be the dreamer that is coming, dreaming the dreams of God in our heart, saying, Lord, here is your congregation. Here we are, your people. Here we are as leaders that are, are called to lead your people and that we have a dream from God in our hearts. And the dream is all about God's story that he is writing in your heart and my heart and the church's heart. Let us see God writing his story in our hearts so that even if people just want to deride us, we can still hear them say, the dreamer is coming. And we know that we have something in our spirits that God is giving rise to. Oh, that we will be dreamers for the work of God the presence of God, the works of God upon us. But Joseph went in this story from pit to prominence, to prison and to prime minister. Quite a, an up and down experience. And how can that possibly be? God gave him these dreams. God spelled it out. He said, this is where you're going. You're going to become prominent. You're going to be uh, an important person. And people are going to come to you to find their refuge and find wisdom. There's nothing in those dreams that told Joseph he's going to be despised and ignored. And attempts on his life were going to be made. Nothing about that. Just starting with the dreams. But because his brothers when they saw him coming, were filled with uh, despisings against him. They said, let's put him in a pit. Let's daub his coat with the blood of an animal, show it to his dad and say, we really got bad news when we came home today. We found that your son uh, had been mauled to death by a wild beast. Reuben, uh, one of the nine brothers of Joseph uh, knew about this plot. And when he looked up, some Ishmaelites were passing where they were in the fields. And they, they had a, a, um, a commercial train. They had valuable things. They had camels. They were on their way to Egypt selling their goods as they went and ultimately in Egypt. And so he said, I'll tell you what, look, instead of us killing him, we don't need to do that. Pull him out of this pit again that we've put him in and let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and they can do what they want with him. So that is the action that they did. And so he was taken from the pit, but now he was sold to be a slave.
by the Ishmaelites. Ultimately got to Egypt. And Potiphar, he, he was one of the chief captains of the army of the Pharaoh. And he saw Joseph and he took a shine to him and he bought him to be his slave. But he saw um, valuable traits in Joseph and great wisdom in Joseph. And actually, in the end, he made him the, the, the steward of all of his household. In fact, Genesis, where the story is, says that Potiphar, the captain of the guards, and all the people he had underneath him, he gave it all to be under the stewardship of Joseph. And then the scripture says, Potiphar didn't know anything about what he had except the bread that came to his table because it was all under the management of Joseph. Life was going great, wasn't it? This was what it's like in your story when everything just seems wonderful and you're thinking, well, life could not be better. I miss my brothers. I certainly miss my father, yes, but rarely this is living life at the top. But it didn't stay like that. Sometimes we have that good plateau. We seem to be doing good. And all of a sudden, everything caves in on us. You see, the wife of Potiphar took a shine to Joseph because Joseph, Genesis tells us, was a very handsome man. And she was overwhelmed uh, with his good looks. Uh, she was uh, lost to her sexual appetites. And she was doing her best to court and woo Joseph. But he was honouring the, <coughs> the trust that Potiphar had placed upon him. And he would not interfere with Potiphar's wife. And so she, in her uh, anger and her revenge um, managed um, a fiction, a lie, and went to her husband and she'd snatched um, Joseph's garment. And so she took it to him and said, see, look, he, 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 he tried to sexually uh, affront me today. And everything went downhill then. Uh, Joseph was sent to prison by Potiphar for this, this fraud um, against his wife. And there in prison, he had to face new challenges. And he had to think again, well, what's happened to the story? What's happened to the promises God has built me up to trust in? Here I am. I was in charge of everything in the realm where I was. This really looked like the dream being fulfilled. But now I found out this was not part of the dream. It's collapsed upon me. And now he's in prison. And so sometimes that is what the Christian life is like. It's not a bed of roses. It's not plain sailing. There are challenges that will come to us. And the challenges come from the Satan, the devil, the adversary. He has seen the dream that God has given you 
also. He knows that God has purpose for your life. He knows that you are going to be a useful instrument in the hand of God. And so he goes about, the Bible says, like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour, whose dreams he may destroy, and whose story he may bring to an end. But it's not just my story that the devil wants to bring to an end. It's God's story that he is writing inside of me, that he is bringing about and causing me to grow into new chapters in this story. That's what the devil wants to destroy in you and, and in me. So we need to face challenges like Joseph did. And to begin facing the challenges, we have to start out by looking again at the beginning where the dream, the word came from God. We have to look at the present situation through the eyes of the dreams that God notified you about. We have to interpret the present moment in terms of where the promises started and not where we are, but in terms of where the end of the story is going to take us. We can't just look at this immediate moment and say, this is everything. No, we need to look at the promise of the story and we need to look toward the fulfillment and know that as Paul said to the Philippians, he who has begun, who has started this good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. This is not the end of your story. This is a challenge in your chapter that you're living right now. But keep looking at how the story finishes and then that will tell you this is not the end of the story. And this is not going to last forever because this is not how the story finishes. Bless the Lord. It's not the end of the story. For Joseph, though, his challenges were um, maybe a bit different to some of ours in the story. Uh, we have challenges. Maybe we have health challenges. You know, you're, you're, you're really wanting to rejoice in God, but, you know, all day long you have this pain in your leg or in your shoulder or somewhere. Just, you know, the body is uh, just weary and worn and ailments come along. And if we're not careful, they distract us from our rejoicing in the story by making us uh, pitying what is happening and take our eyes off the story. Family, our personal history, um, issues of security or feeling isolated, these are all the, the elements that conspire against us to take our eyes away from the story. But the Lord wants us to just keep on saying, this is not the end of the story. This is not what God was intending it to be. He was bringing you through this to get to his end of his story in you. What God is writing in you and making your life become. When you think of... Joseph's experiences, you see some of the challenges that he had. And I think those challenges he had, there are three in particular. I think those challenges really encompass us also. So let, let, let's look at them. Um, you know, the incident with Potiphar's wife that we just referred to. 
what was it all about? For her, it was about her sexual appetite and her being enamored with Joseph. But for Joseph, it was about destroying his reputation. Nobody believed Joseph when he said, I didn't do it. Potiphar believed his wife. He believed that the garment she had in her hand was true evidence. But Joseph said, I did not approach your wife. I did not assault your wife. But Potiphar says, well, all the argument is against you. How everybody would say, not me, I'm innocent. And you're saying the same thing, Joseph. But Joseph's real problem here was the destruction of his reputation. Sometimes when we're talking about a person's life, we're talking about the whole compass of their life. And we use the word bios. We're talking about their bios, their life. But there's another word that we use that is uh, going beyond simply the compass of life, but going right to the heart of who I am. And so that word is essay. It's talking about the essence of who I am. You know, my essay, the essence of who I am is more than just the name I bear. It's more than just the title that's been conferred upon me. My essay is the essence of who I am and what this lady was doing, what the challenge in Joseph's story, the destructive button in Joseph's story was to, uh, was to rubbish the essence of who he was, who he is. His integrity, his faithfulness, his faithfulness to those around him, but also his faithfulness to God, because he was saying, I am not Joseph, the independent dreamer. I am Joseph, the one with the promises of God upon my life. And I am wanting God to write his story on my life. And the devil here was trying to uh, rip out the story from his life and the make him miss the point and that that he would lose the dignity of the truth of who he really is in his essence. The essence of who you are is going beyond the superficial surface of how you are seen. And here in our lives where Paul said, the Lord is writing his story in you, you are becoming the letter of the story of God. Then the devil wants to pull away at the integrity, the essence of who we are. But oh, when we are tempted, when we are challenged, when somebody comes along and, and just tries to dismantle who you are, get rid of your reputation. And, you know, they're saying, don't believe a word she says. Take no notice of anything he says. If you really knew who he was, you wouldn't bother. But you know who you really are. Satan knows who you really are. And the Lord Almighty, he knows who you really are. So look at the dream of the story. 
and remember who you are in the story of God and look to the end of the story of the narrative that the Lord is writing in you and therefore say, I will stay true to the inner being of who I really am in Christ Jesus, my Lord. The other attack on Joseph in his story was equally ferocious. You see, when Joseph was in prison, the chief butler and the chief baker of Pharaoh both had done something to upset the Pharaoh and he threw them both in prison. In there, they had dreams and in the morning they were perturbed and asked Joseph, please tell us what our dreams meant. He interpreted their dreams accordingly and the third day, as he said, their dreams were fulfilled. The butler was returned to his job to uh, work for the Pharaoh and the baker, the interpretation said, in three days' time he was going to lose his head and that happened as well. And so when the butler was taken from the prison, Joseph said to him, please, just do one little favour for me. When you get to talk to the Pharaoh, put in a word for me. Just remember me and tell him something about me. Oh, Joseph, no sooner said than done. But it was another two years before the butler remembered Joseph. That's because the Pharaoh had a dream about the seven years of fatness and the seven years of famine. And Joseph interpreted what it all meant and they made provisions in the, in, in the country for all the world travelling in there for sustenance. But for Joseph, the butler forgot about him. Isn't this another challenge that Satan brings against the writing of God's story in you? Because Satan... And people around you will turn to you and just deny you of your usefulness. You see, Joseph had served the purpose of the butler. He interpreted his dream and he gave him the assurance that you're going to be fine. You're going back to your top job in the business, the, 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 the kingdom of the Pharaoh. So the butler got everything he needed from Joseph. Now he was out there enjoying his job again. He didn't need Joseph, so he didn't remember Joseph anymore. Joseph was a useless item because he'd fulfilled his usefulness. Now he was not there. He was useless. He was not needed anymore. And the devil will try and bring despondence to you by letting you feel you're not needed. And sometimes you believe, even amongst others, they see you as an unnecessary part and deny you the dignity of any sense of usefulness. But look at the dream again. Look at the end that is promised again and realise afresh, God has purposefulness for you. God has usefulness for you. Do not listen to the words of those who deny you the dignity of usefulness. There is something God will use 
every one of his faithful children to do. You just be faithful. Let the Lord keep writing his story in your life and he will bring you to a new usefulness for his glory. And the third issue was about rejection. That was with his brothers. Wasn't it? They, they, they said, look, let's get rid of him. We don't want him anymore. They rejected their brother. So they sold him to slavery. And they put him out of their minds. It's a terrible thing to be disowned. You know, some people... Uh, try and put on the appearance of, I'm strong, I'm independent, uh, I'm not affected by your view of me, it doesn't matter to me what people say about me. I don't know that there are really anybody around who don't actually care about what people think about them. We do things to get the applause from others. We seek their assurance. We tell them this good result that we got. Why? Because we want their applause, their congratulations. We all really uh, look for some sense of appreciation. We all look for the sense of acknowledgement. It's part of how we are, who we are. And when his brothers disowned Joseph, they were... They were defrauding him. And, you know, do you sometimes feel defrauded of embrace or of celebration? We all really want somebody to hug us. I guess not in the two-meter distancing period. But we all want to feel the embrace of someone. We all want to feel owned and wanted and embraced by somebody. We all want to know that at some point for something, somebody is going to celebrate something in me, about me, and put their hands together and say, well done, Brian. Well done, that was good. But Joseph was thrust into the disappointment of being disowned, defrauded of embrace, and declined any celebration of his life. But that was not the end of the story. When somebody trashes your reputation, when somebody declares you to be no longer needed, when others disown you and defraud you of embrace, look at the dream again and tell yourself, this is not the end of the story. Just coming to an end of our story, I want to mention to you um, the story about another pit that someone was put in. Well, he wasn't actually a someone, it, it was a donkey. Uh, this donkey, now donkeys live from anything between 30 to 50 years of age. Good lifespan, and they work hard through it usually. But this farmer's donkey had got old. Donkey had served him faithfully all of these years, done his chores, bore his burdens, but now he was too old for it. Didn't have the energy and the strength. And so he said, I've got to get rid of it. And 
He didn't want to spend his time feeding a donkey that was disowned and considered useless and defrauded of embrace now. So he said, there, there's a pit, like a well, an empty one, and he, he shoved the donkey into the pit. That's not all he shoved into the pit. But every day he would come along with rubbish from his farm and he would shovel it into the pit and it would all tumble down onto the back of the donkey. Well, the donkey kind of shook himself, shook off the rubbish and it went down to his feet and he just trampled it down even where he would stand and stand there all day, couldn't even walk around. And this went on for long enough until the well was filling up with the rubbish. But as more came on and fell on the back of the donkey, every time the farmer threw rubbish on him, he shook it off again and he stamped it down again. And actually the donkey was coming higher and higher and higher. Because as the rubbish was becoming a rising platform that the donkey was treading down, the rising platform was lifting up the donkey and elevating the donkey. Day by day by day, the donkey was going higher and higher and higher. What was lifting him higher? Rubbish. The rubbish that the farmer dumped on him. He shook it off. He trod it down. And the donkey said, um, the, I'm... I'm I'm worth more than carrying this rubbish. I'm going to shake it off. My brother and my sister, shake off the rubbish that's being poured on your back. That's not the definition of who you are. The dream is the definition of who you are. The end of the story is where you're going to. This in the pit and chucking rubbish all over you is not the end of your story. And then one day, the farmer came again with another load of rubbish, tipped it all over the donkey, and the donkey said, No, I am not going to accept rubbish. I'm going to keep the dream. He shook it off. He stamped it down again. And something happened. This time, when he stamped the rubbish flat, it was level with the opening of the hole of the well where he'd been there. He started out at the bottom of this pit and now standing on rubbish that was thrown on him, he used the rubbish to make steps and he stepped higher and higher and higher. And this last morning, he was standing at the face of the well and he stepped out of the pit that he'd been in. Shake off the rubbish that you have been carrying for some years now. Shake off the rubbish that people have told you to define you. And even if the, some of the things are true that were experiences and they've, they've left this, this rubbish, these thoughts, these, these um, disappointments in you, ask God to restore and renew you wherever those failures or 
Ask the Lord to heal you wherever those hurts in your history have come about. And then when the memory of it comes, that's the rubbish that comes with the story that's been changed. Shake off the rubbish of your history. Shake off the rubbish of your hurt. Shake off the rubbish of how everybody else defines you. And live in the dreams. Live in the story. And let the Lord rewrite a new chapter for your life and begin a new step forward forward shake off the rubbish that you're carrying on your back step on the rubbish that's being thrown on you step up on the stairs that the rubbish is building for you use the rubbish for your future use the the the, the ill that they've done to you as your new steps higher and higher they want to push you down whatever they send to push you down turn it into a step and step up not down step up again so step on the rubbish step up on the steps and when you get to the top of the pit step out of the pit shake off step on step up and step out let the dreamer keep looking at how the story ended so you will remember <coughs> that what you are going through now is not the end of your story the lord wants to complete the letter of his own story in your heart and life so that you become God's story to other people because others are watching you in your story they hear about your dream but you keep looking now to the end that God has promised and whatever you're going through now however tall it's taking upon you Look again at the dream God first gave you when he called you his own and made promises that I will never leave you and I will not forsake you and I will lead you to an intended end. And that's the thing about the intended end. The plot, the way everything turns and moves and why it does is found in the words of Joseph his brothers eventually came down to Egypt and he reconciled with them and forgave them for the evil deed against him. They were petrified and said, we just want to be your servants now. We've done you wrong. He said, I'm not in the place of God. I'm going to forgive you. But he said, you meant it to me for evil. But God meant it to me for good whatever is in your story that doesn't feel comfortable to you know that god means it for good so that you will arrive and receive the full reward of your faithfulness in god's story in your life shall we pray Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story that has been written. The story of the cross of Jesus, your Son. The story before that, Lord, of your creation. The story, Lord, when it seemed all to go wrong, when man fell in sin. 
that you wrote the story and put in the cross there and the giving of your son. And you wrote in the redemption that we now share in you. And so, Father, we just want to ask this day that you would bring fresh hope and new dreams to all who have called on your name to know, O oh Lord, that you are ready to write the new chapter in their story, ready to write the new chapter in our church's story, ready to write the new chapter in our personal stories, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you that you have not written us off, but you are writing your story in us. Complete your narrative in us, we pray, O oh Lord, and take us to that day when the story is complete. We stand before you and you say in the last chapter of our lives, when you gather us to yourself, the last chapter heading will be, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Keep us faithful, Lord, to hear your well done as we let you write your story in us. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Why don't you, each day this week, sing the first verse of that classical hymn and its chorus as often as you want. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, wash in his blood. And those declaring words, this is my story. This is my song, praising my Saviour all the day long, because this is not the end of the story. May God's blessings be upon you.